Opinions expressed on the paid commercial program are those of the host or guest and don't represent the opinions of KMBZ or Intercom Kansas City. Welcome back to Closing Arguments. I'm Joshua Matthews here on KMBZ. Uh, Keep in mind, you can learn more about the show. Me, uh, our other attorneys are our firm at leewoodlawyers.com. You can also click on the Closing Arguments icon uh, to be taken to the uh, radio show's website to listen to past uh, recorded shows and and learn more about upcoming shows. Uh, We're talking today about the top 10 mistakes made in family court and in in custody decisions uh, or in custody disputes. And, you know, our first one right off the bat was this is about the kids, it's not about you. Um, And you're going to notice that every one of these has an element of that attached to it. Uh, We just talked about introducing new boyfriends and girlfriends to the kids. We talked about coaching the kids. Now we're going to talk about one that almost always goes hand-in-hand with coaching, and that's turning your kids into little miniature James Bonds, asking them to spy on their other parent. Whether or not you overtly ask them to spy or whether you simply question them about things that go on in in the other parent's home, uh, in either case, you're putting the kids in a very difficult position. And again, it's one of these things that court personnel, guardian ad litems, attorneys, judges are going to pick up on if you've been doing it because it's immediately apparent to us when a child has been placed in that situation. And again, it's something that doesn't play for you very well in a courtroom situation. Kids don't need to be involved in this any more than they absolutely have to. This entire thing is something that happens to them without any input from them, without any discretion on their part. Uh, you know, No matter how bad things might be between mom and dad, 99% of the time I think if kids were asked, they'd rather just keep their mom and dad together. So they're not thrilled to be in the middle of this process to begin with. Now you put them in a position where they have to start taking sides. Uh, they have to worry about, am I getting somebody in trouble? Very often, parents will tell me, well, you know, it's obvious his father told him or it's obvious his mother told him, uh, you know, to lie about what goes on over there because he didn't tell me uh, whether it's there was a new girlfriend over there or he didn't tell me uh, about getting locked out of the house and having to sit on the front step and wait for his dad to come home from work to let him in. He didn't tell me about, uh, you know, falling in the driveway and cutting up his knee or, or having the flu and, and throwing up on Tuesday night. That doesn't necessarily mean the other parent told them not to tell you. It may simply mean that the other that the child doesn't want you to know what's going on at the other parent's house. They don't want to be in that position. They don't want to feel like a tattletale. They don't want to feel like they're giving you information that you can use against their other parent. Um, so when you're dealing with these situations, just leave your kids out of it. They're not going to have a whole lot of information to give you anyways. And once you find out that information, what are you going to do with it? If you want to take it to a judge, if you want to take it to a guardian ad litem or to a social worker, you're going to have to divulge where you got it from. Now, if that information is, you know, dad's packing kilos of cocaine, well, then obviously you know at that point that's something you're going to have to divulge. But if the information is, well, uh, you know, dad lets them stay up too late or uh, dad's not feeding them good, healthy meals, what becomes apparent is that, number one, you're asking your child to be an intermediary. You're asking your child uh, to do something that they know can hurt one of their parents. 
Uh, and number two, you are out to get somebody. Uh, it's your goal. It's your mission in life to prove that that other parent is not as fit as you, not as good a parent as you, not as loving as you, whatever the case may be. Point is, uh, that other parent's probably just fine. And in fact, they're probably the exact same person they've been the entire time you've been together. And every time you left in the evening before, you knew that dad or mom, whichever the case may be, was not going to feed them white or was going to let them stay up too late watching TV. That's not new information for the most part. Um, they are a parent. It's their kids, too. They have to have opportunities to make decisions and to make mistakes. So asking your kids to spy will generally, uh, again, be one of those things that gets used against you. Um, along with that, we talk about criticizing the other parent. This one is a, a really deep kind of psychological and emotional issue for kids uh, and for adults. Uh, I've got friends who are attorneys, who work in family law, who've, who've been involved with this kind of stuff for a long, long time. Something happens, a situation arises with their own parents uh, and their parents' relationship, for example, and it's amazing how much grown adult people who know this process can really revert back to kind of childhood behaviors. And uh, uh, it comes from the fact that we each own our own parents in a kind of a unique way. And I've talked about this on the show before, I know, but uh, oftentimes even somebody who, who says, oh, I hate my dad, somebody else says something bad about their dad and, and, and they get defensive about it. Because deep down inside, we kind of consider ourselves to be an amalgamation of both our mother and our father. We consider ourselves uh, to be uh, really 50% our mom and 50% our dad, even if we think of ourselves as very different people. We think of it in terms of psychologically of having to have overcome uh, maybe these bad genes that we got from somebody. That's a very natural, even though kind of irrational response. Well, what it means, especially for small children, is if you resent your child's mother, you, then that means that you resent the part of your child that comes from his mother. You resent the part of your child that reminds you of his mother. You resent the part of your child that connects you for life to his mother. It means that you resent your own child. You might not see it that way. And you might try and tell them, oh, no, 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 honey, I love you. It's just your mom I hate. The thing is, you can't ever separate those two things. We can never, even as adults, look at our parents uh, from a really logical, rational standpoint. So we're always going to take that position. We're always going to feel that any threat, any attack on a parent is really an attack on us. And it's not fair to put your kids in that position. People will constantly say, oh, I never talk bad about his mom in front of him. Well, you're talking bad about his mom right now, and it's very obvious every time you say her name, every time you, you, you mention her or her house or her new husband, it's so obvious exactly what you think about her. And if you think that your kids can't pick up on that, you're wrong. Uh, there's a, uh, a famous trial attorney by the name of Jerry Spence. Uh, he does these these trial colleges that are a little bit of a circus. But one of the things that he talks about is that people are actually really good at picking up on uh, 
unspoken information, uh, much better than we realize. And that the older we get, though, the harder it becomes. Because as children, we're operating on instinct. We don't have these lenses and these filters of logic and experience to change how we view the world. So we we soak up information, you know. Um, we talk about, uh, you know, what's that line from Jerry Maguire? Uh, you know, dogs and bees can smell fear. Um, kids can too. Uh, they really, they it's like they have little antennae and they pick up everything in the room, whether you want them to or not. So the fact that you don't say it doesn't mean that you're actually able to hide it. If you have negative feelings about somebody, they're going to know it. They know you too well, and they're going to know it, and they're going to feel it, and they're going to internalize it, and they're going to be hurt by it. You have to ask yourself. Judges say it all the time, and I've always considered it to be a kind of a trite little statement, but you know, you, you have to love your kids more than you hate your ex. It's the truth, folks. You've really got to find a place where you are capable of saying, I love my child enough to love their other parent. Um, despite whatever difficulties, despite whatever shortcomings I think that person may have. Because when you're able to do that, then you give your child the best possible opportunity at a loving, healthy, uh, emotionally appropriate relationship with everybody in their life. But while we're doing all of this worrying about what's good for the kids, uh, let's go into number eight, worrying too much about what the kids think. We want the kids to be healthy. We want the kids to be well-adjusted. But whether or not they like you, whether or not they like living with you, uh, that's not really a big thing. Uh, people come in, they say, well, you know, at what age does my kid get to decide where he wants to live? The answer is at 18. Until then, they're still a kid. That's why it's still up to the court. They don't get to pick. Um, a lot of kids might make a really good choice. A lot of kids won't. That's what makes them kids is that we assume that they don't know everything that's in their own best interest yet. Ask a 12-year-old boy where he wants to live, and he's got two choices. He can stay at mom's house where he does his homework, eats his vegetables, and goes to bed on time. Or stay at his dad's house where he stays up all night eating pizza and playing video games, watching Cinemax. Where do you want to live, son? He's almost certainly going to say dad's house because that's where he has the freedom. That's where he gets to do what he wants. Um, but what he wants and what is in his best interest are two different things. Very often we hear it from guardian ad litems and judges that their major concern is that both parents are trying to win their kids' love uh, by being overly kind and overly generous and overly uh, spoiling of the kids. Uh, and nobody's a disciplinarian. Nobody's actually acting as a parent. Nobody's telling this kid, hey, uh, snap out of it. Get your act together. The kids don't get to decide where they want to live. Uh, and generally speaking, we don't want them to have any involvement in it at all. They can, in certain cases, especially after a certain age, they can uh, testify in court, although no judge ever wants that to happen. Judges can talk to kids in chambers, uh, outside of the, the eyes and ears of their parents. Uh, we really don't like for that to happen either. If they're young enough or if there's abuse or other things alleged, a guardian ad litem may have been appointed to represent them, and they can talk about what the kids want. But here's the thing. We don't want kids to feel that responsibility 
for potentially cutting a parent out of their life, which is the way that they're going to feel about it. So don't worry about what the kids think. Worry about what's good for the kids. Do the right thing. Leave them out of it as much as possible. I'm Joshua Matthews. This is Closing Arguments. We're talking about the top 10 mistakes made in uh, child custody disputes, and we'll be right back with the last two, 9 and 10.